What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 557 of the Smartout Moments Mac Talk Podcast Hot Tags of the Week. We're going to be breaking down some stories and rumors and gossip, and news and TV recaps, and everything else that went down in the world of pro wrestling that we feel like talking about. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, are Cal Wiggins. Hello there. And Robert DeFelice. Hey, hey, everyone. So, we are, uh, it's August 5th. We've got SmackDown coming up. We've got a couple other things coming up later on this day. We just got done recording another episode of the podcast. You guys are going to be hearing uh, about two weeks from now, a week and a half or something. We did the UK uh, top rope list that we have been talking about. So stay tuned for that one. Very fun discussion. And we're going to hopefully have another really good discussion here. And we hope that you join us for this whole thing with your thoughts. So drop them in the comments below on YouTube. If you're listening elsewhere, then shout them into the ether, especially with a megaphone that looks like something that Jimmy Hart would have had. And uh, you can leave comments on Twitter and Facebook and go to the page on smartcomoment.com and everything like that. But if you are on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't done that already. Also, ring that little notification bell and get those email alerts set up. And if you want to help us out on the monetary side of things, just to get this out of the way as far as plugs are concerned... You can see some other buttons on there, including the thanks button, which is like a little tip jar, and the join button, which acts the same way as the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash smartoutmoment, you will be able to see the same tiers that you see over on the members-only side of YouTube, like the Dark Cast and the Pick Your Poison, or just even the $1 a month. Just a means to lend a hand and just to show that you enjoy our content. You think that the at least two podcasts per week, sometimes a little bit more than that, you know, you're getting uh, however many hours that translates to. I, we pretty much never do a podcast that's less than an hour. Usually they're somewhere between one and two, around that one and a half hour range. So you figure that times two, times four, possibly add a couple more for the pay-per-views. Dollar a month. Consider donating. Also pick up some Public and Redbubble merchandise over on those websites. Lots of different designs, lots of different options of what you can put those designs on. All that funnels back towards me being able to not only spread the wealth and everything, but also to have more time to do more of this content and less of the other stuff. So if you want more from Smart Cow Moment, if you want more from Fanboys Anonymous, then those are the best ways to make sure that I can dedicate the time to do that and that other people can dedicate that time too. So as we go along here, keep all those things in mind and let's start getting into some of these things. Let's talk about the... Ric Flair's last match event. That pay-per-view happened this weekend, and I got a chance to watch that live. Uh, I think that all of us watched all of it, right? I watched it live. I don't know if Calum watched it live. I don't. I doubt it. But I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact. Did you do uh, both watch the whole thing though, even the pre-show? Uh... Or did you just watch the match? I, I watched some of the I to the vast majority of it. I just didn't have time. So we'll keep that in mind. But um, for anybody who didn't see it, we'll give you a quick rundown of the results as well and any other kind of thoughts. Ren Narita beat uh, Yuya Imura. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that was a match. I mean, I didn't think anything of it. It was pretty good. Mance Warner 
won the bunkhouse battle royal i had never heard that name before that i could remember and there were people in here that i had i mean there was you know uh big demo was in here bully ray was the last uh to get eliminated james storm was the person that we were all kind of going oh it seems like it's a james storm thing joey janela ended up popping up blake christian who now seems like he's potentially signed with aew and or ring of honor depending on how that goes you got some names like uh, Sint Bodie and Wolfie D that I hadn't heard in a while. Effie was in there. This was uh, a fun and interesting thing, but kind of a mess as well. And then once Mance Warner won, I was just like, all right, this isn't really doing too much for me at this point. But apparently by winning that, he earned a match with John Moxley on Rampage. So there you go. That's something I'm into, though, with AEW. Even though I don't have any like, ah, oh, Mance Warner's going to fight, you know? It's like, okay, he won a battle royal at a pay-per-view recently. Put him in a match against Moxley. Moxley can beat him. And then you get an interesting new fresh person. He beats somebody that's got some credibility going into that. And you don't have to just beat Angelico again or something. I like the bunkhouse match. I like it's it's fun. You know, I like fun gimmicky wrestling. And where else are you going to see Crowbar in 2022? And Nick Gage and the GCW guys hit the ring, and I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, after that was the Motor City Machine Guns against the Wolves. This match I missed. I was cooking dinner at the time, and I was just kind of like, all right, if I don't start cooking now, it's going to be taking forever because the whole pay-per-view is going to go by. And next thing I knew, the match was over. So I didn't get to see this. I also didn't get to see Killer Cross against Davy Waysmith. Um, I the tag match was fun. It was not as good as you know maybe they could have been if they were given like a ton of time in a featured program. But it was a lot of fun. And as far as Cross and Davy Boy, about what you'd expect it was the result that we all expected: a nice hard hitting. Big man match, and I think both guys are kind of at this point windows to an era gone by. What was the next match after that? It was the number one contender uh, for the Progress World Championship four corners match. Jonathan Gresham beat Alan Angels, Kanosuke Takeshita. I always want to say Takeshita differently. Uh, And Nick Wayne. We had kind of been saying that Nick Wayne would have potentially made sense, but Gresham ends up getting the win. So the the progress thing, I don't think was fully known going into it. Mm. Not when we were doing our predictions, at least. It's super cool that he won. Match was too short for me, but I'm glad Gresham won. I'm glad it seems like he might be sticking around. Yeah. Did you get a chance to check that, Callum? Yeah, I I took a look at this match. I thought, yeah, it was it was good. It's I don't say it's but with talent involved, you were expecting more from it. But yeah, having Gresham win was interesting because that means that, yeah, if he is going for the Progress World Championship, it means that, yeah, he's unlikely to be stepping away entirely anytime soon. So maybe the rumors surrounding him being done with wrestling entirely might have just been over exaggerated, just a heat in the moment thing. And now we've seen clearly a, a bit more and thinking, okay, I can, I don't need to work for AEW or anything, but I can continue to make a living somewhere else. So, so yeah, good for him. We had Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson beat Ricky Morton and Kerry Morton. 
wasn't super keeping my attention, to be honest. Surprising result. You know, given Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson a chance to bow out with a win in the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. But maybe this is good for Brock Anderson and Brian Pillman moving forward in AEW. Well, Gibson wasn't wrestling anyway. Well, he was, but he was still, like, with them. Oh, yeah, well, Gibson's pretty much retired anyway. He's like, it's Ricky Morton's only just continuing with Kerry. Like, Gibson's pretty much said that he's... Yeah, they finally for the most their, part done, yeah. ...their final uh, farewells. But I, it was interesting to see. And they were calling him, like, the horseman. Then you might forget that, like, yeah, okay, Arn and Pillman were super close in that 95 run. But... I don't know. I just hope it leads to something for them. Because Brock's wasting away on AW. Wasting away, you think? Or I mean, hasn't wasting had away earned a spot, really? Wasting away in the sense of he's just sort of background noise, and if there is potential, we don't know. I mean, at a four-way, this was one of the best matches of the night. Ray Phoenix beating Bandito, Laredo Kid, and Black Taurus. Yeah, I knew this would be good. Yeah, it was, this was about everything that you could imagine when you hear those four names. Lots of heights, lots of flips, lots of... Just a lot of fun. Taurus holding down the fort and everything. I know that Peyton was watching that and he was like, you know, I, I love this Black Taurus guy. Um, that was fun. Josh Alexander beat Jacob Fatu. Or no, he didn't beat him. Yeah, that was, it, a no it was a no contest. That's right. right. Um, Interference by uh, Myers and such. Randomly. Um, yeah, out of nowhere. I mean, I guess it's just a means to not beat Fatu, but keep the belt on Josh Alexander. So this was if kind of a smart, meh in my mind. If they're smart, they build to Cardona and Alexander at Bound for Glory. I think Cardona right now should get whatever belts he wants because he's one of the few names out there. So hopefully he gets what he wants. Batu's great though. I I wish WWE had him. I wish AEW had him. I wish some big company had him because he's amazing. There was a thing earlier in the night with Fatu where Frank the Clown Frank the Clown came out and then Fatu like with Foley ended up uh, beating him down. wasn't supposed to be. Um, that wasn't supposed to be Fatu. Right. It was supposed to be Alex Hammerstone, but Hammerstone was, uh, he, his travel got disrupted and so he wasn't able to make it. There's actually a few travel problems because the next match, I don't know whether it was the next match, but one of the matches is the next match, the uh, Briscoes against the Von Erics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that match was supposed to go on earlier in the show, but they had to delay it because um, uh, the Von Erics' travel was delayed. Which I think that this was a good enough spot for it. It didn't feel weird to me. I don't know when they would have planned on doing it if they would have just done that. Like I would have, I, I would have thought they would have done that one earlier and swapped that around with the machine guns. Maybe. But uh, at this whole Frank the Clown thing, after this happens, and I'm like, you know, all right, the uh, the Renderita match happens. You got the Bunkhouse Battle Royal following the Frank the Clown thing, and I'm sitting there going, this isn't really doing it for me. And then Foley's with his kid, and he says, "This is better than SummerSlam." And I'm like, I fucking show you watching. <laughs> you know? The kid said it was better than Summer's. Right. 
Yeah, but I'm just like, uh, did he watch SummerSlam? <laughs> I mean, you know? well, he was there. He was there. It's a different. It's a different feeling when you're at the event compared to watching it on TV. Still, thumbs down on that comment. <laughs> I disagree entirely. But you know, to each their own. Whatever. Um, Briscoes beat Devon Eriks as they should, you know, because they are the Briscoes. And uh, I didn't see too much of it, to be perfectly honest. This was one of those things where we're late enough in the night and I'm like, all right, I'm really kind of mostly here for the flare thing. I'm mostly kind of just doing the waiting until whoever wins, paying a little bit of attention, working on some other stuff, writing up an article at the time. So I can't talk about Devon Eriks as far as being like, okay, now I finally saw them and I really like them or dislike them or anything. I don't remember disliking the match, but I don't remember loving it either. It was fine. You know, I think it was run of the mill. They didn't have the kind of match that I would like to see where, you know, be tornado style. But I thought it was good. Hopefully the Monarchs get another, get a chance to shine on a bigger stage at some point. They're, um, MLW, right? Yep. Okay. So I was just going to say, I wonder if they can be picked up by anybody in particular, but I mean, we'll see. Uh, what was the next match after that? Uh, Knockouts Championship. That's right. Knockouts. Yeah. Yes. Jordan Grace against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering, who suffered an injury pretty early on, came back, still ended up doing that. Uh, Grace retains. And um, that's the thing. <laughs> pretty, pretty much all assumed that Grace was going to retain, so that's not too too shocking. Right. Uh, it was fine. I didn't really leave an impression. Any thoughts on that, Cal? Uh, I didn't, again, yeah, it's one that just like kind of passed me by. It was just, yeah, just a pretty run-of-the-mill triple threat match. So the main event... <laughs> With our great setup of that parking lot. Yeah, you hit me in my surgery spot or whatever it was. <laughs> Ric Flair right. and Andrade Alidolo against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, All right, let's let's just... Let's start with some positive. Positive. The set looked really good. I should have mentioned that earlier. I think that this looks better than uh, some of the Impact shows. Like, I really enjoyed the Jim Crocker promotions that it at least had its own unique feel. Um, oh, if you're talking about great. extra stuff, the one dude on commentary was terrible. I mean, not the worst I've ever heard in my life, but the one guy I could not... Uh, he Everything he said was just sort of, like, worthless. Tony Schiavone's great, but the other guy I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah, you're talking about Jim Crockett, I thought it was fine. Um... Look, Jarrett looked great. I just want to say that Jeff Jarrett looks like he hasn't aged all that much since maybe 2007. And I thought Andrade was the MVP of this match in many, many, many ways. Yeah. <laughs> and as expected, uh, Jay Lethal was there to also provide some foundation. Let's talk about Flair. We all knew it wasn't going to be great. So for anybody that goes into this expecting the best match of all time, you're going to be disappointed. 
but I still honestly think that it was more disappointing than I even thought that it was going to be, to be perfectly honest. I hope Flair is happy with it, but he can't even remember it because he got concussed or something. Oh, he didn't. So he said that he blacked out, right? His offense for the match was kind of just, I'm going to stand in the middle and you're going to come to me, which is fine. I'm not, you know, like he is 73, but at the same time, like, come on, you were promoing this with all this fire and then you got out there and you were quickly winded. And God, at one point after he was cut open and, uh, Megan, his first daughter, got into it with uh, Karen Jarrett. Flair was just bloody and passed out for like the entire Mm -hmm. rest of the match. He'd be getting like somebody would hit him in the the stomach and he wouldn't budge. He'd get a kick to the chest. He wouldn't sell it at all. Because he was just out of it. Yeah. And for me, like the scariest spot in the world, because Andrade, let's. Sorry, I'm jumping all over this. But Andrade was, from minute one, trying to guide Flair. And like, hey, okay, you, you you know, showed off for this side of the crowd. Now look over here. And Flair wouldn't go. This is before the bell even rang. But then Flair's just down and out. And Andrade uh, helps get rid of, I think it was get rid of Sajarit. He catches the brass knuckles, puts the brass knuckles on Flair, and it was the scariest thing for me because Flair's not moving. And the brass knuckles fall off of his hand. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope he's conscious. And then, of course, he gets up slowly. He hits a punch on Jarrett with the brass knuckles. Figure four completely down for the figure four. Like, he... Puts it on, but just falls back to the mat, and his shoulders are down, too. Referee counts to three. Purple confetti comes down, and Ric Flair is just sort of laying there for a few moments. And laying there. And then once he finally starts talking, first thing he says is, I hope it was good. I don't remember half of it. Good Lord. This is the scariest experience I've ever had watching a full match you know lots of people were making jokes even on like the roast which i didn't get a chance to check out but i've heard that it wasn't really all that great plenty of people doing the whole like ah rick flair is gonna die in this match and then it's like you're watching this match and you're like oh fuck come on <laughs> like this isn't looking good and you know the brass knuckle spot like you're talking about like a lot of things were just sort of uncomfortable yeah and for anybody that goes hey fuck you why you think you know uh, let the legend have one more thing. Look, it was his decision. And if he, as I said before, if he is happy with it, then that's great. But I am of that opinion of like, I don't think you needed to do it. And I don't think that this is something that you can look back and be like, okay, well now the legacy is restored yeah. or anything. I think it's just, it's just more harm than anything. Let's, let's talk about the fact that Ric Flair apparently didn't, I couldn't live with TNA being the end. Really, you couldn't live with the match on global TV against Sting? Being the last thing you did in wrestling? You would prefer this, which was basically just like, 
I mean, Undertaker was in the front row for this, and even I was like, okay, I bet you, with the look that he's given this match, Undertaker's never been more grateful that he retired when he did. Maybe, yeah. And of course, at the end of the match, uh, when he's cutting the promo, it ends up being mostly about Kid Rock. And he's just like, Kid Rock, yeah. so yeah, I'm gonna go party with Kid Rock. <laughs> I fucking did it. All right, I'm gonna go party with Kid Rock. How's that shit? Uh, what? Okay. Like, look, I think that Ric Flair is one of the best of all time. I just hope that Ric Flair's done being Ric Flair. And I hope to God that someone is pulling him aside and saying, we love you. You are valued beyond your fucking wrestling career. Because for me, that was the heartbreaking part of it. That he felt like he needed to do all that just to feel alive again. Yeah, this was, it, it was pretty sad to watch. From pretty much all perspectives, because you had to try and watch uh, Jay Lethal and Andrade work around this guy who was just a zombie in the ring, pretty much, in pretty much every respect. And yeah, seeing him, like the brass knucks fall off and all these things going wrong, because you're essentially like trying to drag this flesh mannequin around the ring. And trying to trying to get something decent out of it, and the fact of the matter is, the crowd was going to love it regardless of what happened because they were just there to see Flair. It didn't matter if the match was terrible or anything. It was like that that was his moment, and they were going to respect be respectful no matter what. So that helps carry it through. It would have been pretty awful if you were uh, if the crowd just started chanting things like "You fucked up" or um or something on those lines, so you knew that wasn't going to happen, so at least you knew that you were going to get an easy crowd to perform in front of. But yeah, I completely agree with Robin saying that The Undertaker probably watched that and thought, yep, that's not going to be me. Uh, but brother, like, his his face, that entire thing was just like, why am I front row for this? Fuck, this looks awful. Like, he, I mean, he the, the was sad, just like... Go ahead. The, the sad thing about it is that um, and, then, and he was only he only he didn't have to wrestle a full match, but he came in for one spot. It was DDP earlier in the night came in to uh, do a diamond cutter on was it Cardona or Brock Myers or something? Cardona, like you look yeah, great. Cardona. Yeah, and he looks in phenomenal shape for a guy of his age. Like he's in his he's, he's approaching seventy now, and like yeah, and he's a guy who I would actually be totally fine with having a match at this point because. You know, with all the yoga that he does and everything like that, he probably could still do something resembling a match. Whereas this was just, yeah, it was a guy who is a shell of his former self, trying to, trying to desperately plod his way through a match and just essentially just letting a load of younger guys who are in their prime and Jarrett, who can still do some stuff, but <laughs> is clearly not who he was. Uh, carrying him, carry him, even though the show's meant to be all about him. So, you know, it it was it's not a match that I'll ever really want to go back and see again, unless I want to uh, terrify myself about the process of aging. For the people that would say that all this criticism is too harsh, I would ask you this: with the whole discussion of like less is more, with a lot of things, really. 
objectively ask yourself, is there anything that happened on this card that you feel is worth having the whole card happen the way that it happened versus the idea of if this didn't happen, what would you be missing out on? I don't remember how that sting match ends for his last one, but I got to imagine no, it's that a non-finish. It, it's a non-finish, a non-finish. Yeah. Even still, still I got to imagine still it better than he did here. It's probably still better than locking in the figure four and laying down and having it be a pinfall where you're also down for the pin, you know? It, and then there's like the, the weird celebration where they're trying to give him the big gold belt. He came out with the real big gold belt from 85 and all that. And God, he, he just couldn't care less. He was just trying to like walk around. And finally, I think they gave it to Andrade to give it to him. Uh, there's a weird moment where like he went to fist bump someone and he just ends up fist bumping uh, Blake Christian. And everybody was like, oh, I didn't know that they were that close. The whole... <laughs> The whole show just had like this weird come on this isn't flares like this isn't a celebration of flair i don't care what feelings he had about not wanting to be done rick flair's send-off with Shawn michaels was was the perfect send-off it was great and you think about okay tna the run wasn't great but hey you ended with sting hey you had that tour with hogan even those matches, even though they only took place in Australia and no one's ever really seen them, it's still Hogan. Come on. It's heartbreaking, man. Like, it just is. It's just heartbreaking. So, those but, are. Oh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. But having, having said all of that, reports do suggest that it did very well. Uh, yeah. Maybe you guys, why? It's, it's, it's true somewhere between. Uh, uh, and about like twenty, somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand buys. I think twenty-four thousand is the number that Fight for reporting, and the, and the gate itself drawing nearly seven thousand fans for a grand total of around about four hundred fifty thousand dollars. It made it the second second biggest gate for a independent show uh, behind All In. So it's crazy. Really, yeah. So really, in all accounts, this is. This was a complete and utter success. Even if, even if in ring wise, it left some people feeling cold, and I could t- certainly attest to that. It was, yeah, it was a great show financially. Even with that in mind, though, for anybody who is going to jump on that train and go, because I've heard this uh, over the past few days, people going, "I want to see more Jim Crockett Productions." Do you really think that you want to see more of that? Because you're, here's, here's you're clicking on this because that, of Ric Flair's last match, not because of Jim Crockett Productions. Here, here's my argument for that. I still think production-wise, it'll look better than some shit that I see every week. I'm and not going to deny like, that about the <laughs> the impact side of things. And I kind of like the idea of a of some kind of promotion that's doing like a super show. Like, again, whether you want to call this a super show or not, it's completely down to your own uh, personal taste. But some sort of amalgamation of basically every promotion outside in America outside of WWE and Impact. That's also not dependent Impact, upon a, a, though. That's yeah. super dependent upon all these other companies being willing to do that. And I think without having it be the Ric Flair thing, 
you're not going to get the mainstream interest that goes along with that. You're not going to get the big names that are attracted to the card and you're not going to get the willingness for, you know, Tony Khan's not going to be like, okay, Andrade can work this other show or, Hey, yeah, we can lend this tag team and have this title match. And, you know, I don't think that that's going to happen with another thing. I think you just go, okay, we're going to do another Jim Cockett produ- uh, productions thing on Starcast. Uh, this is five, right? Four. I don't remember. Um, whatever the next Starcast one, I don't think that they're going to be able to do anything other than they get some of these more random GCW type names and an oddball here and there. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe that opinion doesn't age all that well, but I got a feeling that a second time around probably isn't going to happen. We'll see. No, who knows? Maybe we end up getting another like so-and-so's last match. Anybody in mind that you'd want to see that? Uh, Rock and Roll Express probably is the, the main one. That, that would be great to do under Crockett Promotions. Um, I mean, AEW will probably handle this, but Sting? Hmm. That's a future uh, one more match discussion, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Um, all right, let's bounce around to another thing here. Let's go to... I guess we can just toss a couple quick things out there. These aren't really like hot tag topics, but uh, congrats to Cassie Lee. She's pregnant. She and uh, Sean Spears. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Good for them, man. They seem like the nicest people in the world. Congrats to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, cancer free. Hell yeah. Good news. Did beat cancer's ass for like a third time? Hacksaw Jim Duggan's a fighter. He's a tough guy. Oh. You'd say. It's that Canadian blood. <laughs> uh randomly car- came across a story this week about uh shelly martinez saying that she was a bit obsessed with paul Heyman for a little bit there and she would totally have fucked him yeah i read that i think um i think i read that on e-wrestling news or something oh my god <laughs> it's just like that sentence okay that's a uh that's a sentence uh, that's a, a story that i'm reading that she's like yeah i would have fucked paul Heyman. like Depending on the how slow the hot tags are. <laughs> uh, it was the the ponytail. That's, that must have been what it was. Most of the other hot tags that I've got are AEW based. Uh, some prediction stuff, some talent stuff. But um, one little speculation thing going on is that Karrion Cross, maybe some others could possibly be following in the Dakota Kai footsteps and returning to WWE. Basically being the sense of Triple H being like, yeah, you know how that all fucking sucked? Well, uh, how about we do a do-over and do the thing that we were doing at NXT that was working? You guys want to come back? And some of them might. <laughs> I don't know who I would really necessarily put like a, a, a bet on. I wouldn't have ever imagined in that any uh, scenario of it being like, hey, at SummerSlam, Dakota Kai is going to be re-signed, get a call up, and Io Shirai is going to get called up, and all this other stuff. So clearly quote-unquote anything can happen but i am down for some of those people coming back i mean plenty of them i felt were tossed aside for no real good reason and it's unfortunate that some of them kind of can't because i think that some of them aren't really doing that great in aew or elsewhere um but anybody standing out to you guys are like oh man this person seems like they could well, I mean, Fightful Select just reported that Karrion Cross is an option, that he's being discussed as a name of interest. 
WWE wants to bring back. Um, it's look, Tony Khan made it very clear. Adam Cole is signed until 2027. So, guess not Adam Cole, even though I would love to see him get the Mania moment. I want to see Gargano get the Mania moment. Gargano's like the main just, one for me. I was, I'm like, I, I want Gargano back. Shot, Ciampa wins the U.S. title next week, and it all leads to Ciampa Gargano one more time at WrestleMania. I'll allow it. <laughs> like, you know, he deserves it. Um, Who else? Really, for me, I think like a lot of the main ones are signed to AEW. Like Keith Lee, I would have loved to have seen him get a real shot. I want to see Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's an original Triple H guy. Can we get Bray Wyatt done properly? Is it possible? You think he's more of a Triple H guy? I always thought he was more of a Vince guy. I mean, Bray Wyatt doesn't happen without NXT. Huh. Eric really? Young, too. I know that he like uh, Triple H likes Sanity. See, I can't picture Eric Young coming back. I think some of these other people, like, again, I can't speak for Triple H, but I feel like he watched some of these guys. He liked what they were doing, and he was like, let me try to see what I can do with them, and maybe we can do even better. And I think some of them kind of proved that maybe they don't necessarily have that extra bump up. And Eric Young... Uh, he, he's more than had success, but I can't picture him even reaching like a mid card title level. So if he's going to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond, like an impact, be a little bit more comfortable. Makes more sense to me than to WWE to reach out to bring him back and whatever. But I could see people coming back as well for trainer spots like a Timothy Thatcher. That can make a lot of sense to me. A lot of those names you got to look at, and it's probably like, yeah, Triple H is probably like, damn it, if this would have just happened a few months earlier, I could have fucking gotten Cesaro. I could have right. gotten Keith Lee. I could have gotten Swerve. I could have gotten Malachi Black or... Uh, yeah, and even like, well, remember Black was starting a feud on SmackDown when he went over to AEW. Tony like, Storm, you know, like... It's so funny that things happen the way they did. Anybody on your end, Callum, that you think you're, uh, you'd be willing to wager could potentially come back? I mean, Gargano's the obvious one. Gargano and Candice LeRae are the, the main ones, I'd say. I mean, Candice is obviously very dependent on when she wants to get back in the ring after recently having a child. So that one might be a bit more overdue, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm still... I'm still reluctant to get into this whole, like, everything's going to be great again bandwagon that a lot of people were falling into after one decent episode of Monday Night Raw. So I am still of the opinion that if I want to, if I actually really like someone and want them to be successful in wrestling, I'd rather they go to AEW. Right. But that's just me. I think that we're going to see more independent wrestlers or more people that have an actual strong wrestling background appearing in WWE going forward, which can only be a good thing. But then you look at the most recent tryout that they had, where indie wrestlers were completely barred from appearing. And apparently, at least according to some reports, they suffered a shit ton of injuries in those tryouts. Really? Yeah, apparently there were loads of people getting injured. 
and it was just like full of like college athletes and all these other ones that apparently they signed over a dozen of them anyway so 14 yeah 14 so we'll see how that all pans out but i presume dwight howard isn't one of the signings they made the uh the basketball the nba star that showed up and apparently said that he wants to join wwe someday because i don't think he's got a club at the i don't think he's got a basketball club at the moment so we'll see but yeah i think that they need to add some depth to their roster of people that can actually work and help some of the younger guys that are green but have potential and help steer them the right way because right now it, it feels like especially in nxt it feels like a lot of the blind leaving the blind yeah that's true talk about that fucking last legend match again <laughs> yeah we'll talk about some uh tv recap stuff um as far as people signing and going to different companies and everything like that one of the hot tags to talk about is that I'm sure a good portion of this is inspired by this uh, criticism with the whole thing coming out with Jonathan Gresham, but AEW has expanded their talent relations team. You've got Tony Schiavone is now being classified senior producer and special advisor to talent. Not that just sounds to me like he's taking over the Jim Ross. Kind of seems like it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Special advisor could mean practically anything. I mean, it could be like helps you negotiate contracts, helps talent scout, helps just be a guy that people can talk to backstage and relay information. I mean, it's a very generic term. Sanjay Dutt is being classified vice president of production and creative coordination. You got the vice president of show and creative coordination. It's QT Marshall. The vice president of talent development is Pat Buck. And a coach for the women's division is Madison Rain. Yeah, they all sound like um, reasonable promotions and acquisitions in the former Madison Rain, who's only just recently left Impact Wrestling. And so I think this is the first time, I think we discussed this earlier in outside of the call, but. Uh, the first time that we've kind of she's signed to a promotion outside of impact so good on her i think i don't know what the role the coach would entail i mean i don't want to throw a crap over this but i i don't think she's a very good wrestler i don't i don't think she's ever really been a very good wrestler throughout her entire so here's life. here's what i would say there when you have someone like anna jay who i think Still had like less than 40 matches, maybe. You know, she can at least offer some television wrestling experience because at least Madison Rin was in Impact when it was still a big deal. I mean, that is true, but I also would go by the, the fact that uh, Anna Jay might have had only 40, wrestlers, 40 matches. I think that she's better wrestler than Madison Rin. But that's just my opinion as well. Although I'm we sure. do know that she'll be on uh, Rampage tonight, so she'll be competing as well. I think. Well, yeah, did so they say that she's competing? Or did they yes. just say that she was going to be appearing? Yeah, I believe they said competing. I mean, we'll see. We'll find out later tonight, one way or the other. I know she's done a commentary 
some stuff on a dark and elevation. That's not the role I want her in. No, she's not a great commentator either. It's kind of one of the things where <laughs> I would rather like Serena Deeb was working and coaching at the same time, or something along those lines, or Mercedes Martinez, like someone who I know is really capable in the ring and has got a lot of experience behind them. And Madison Rain does have a lot of experience. I think she could help on the character side of things, definitely. But I don't know if she's the most qualified person to be an in-ring coach, but we'll see. And the rest of them, I think, is just trying to, as I say, maybe a response to the Jonathan Gresham thing, but shore up the whole talent relations, make it a bit, make people, put people in more senior positions so they can be, I guess, uh, take some of the responsibilities off Tony Khan's shoulders. So my thing is, I, why they don't necessarily have to announce this. They're not like a publicly funded, a publicly traded company, you know? So they're obviously doing this for some, you know, good PR. And it's a lot of names people know and all that. But I hope it works out for them. I'm glad Shivani's continuing in wrestling. I'll say that. He seems so reinvigorated with uh, AEW. Like, he's just not a factor. And then AEW comes along and he's just like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. This is great. This is fun. I love that. That's cool. You can't, uh, uh, no, I guess we should get into that in a little bit. Um, I'll hold off on that about as far as TV content. We've still got, um, AEW Fight Forever, the little teaser trailer and the Tony Giovanni and Britt Baker thing. I wasn't super impressed, but I'm not a gamer. So that's not speaking to me in that fashion. I'm certainly not planning on picking it up. I haven't really enjoyed almost any wrestling games, to be perfectly honest, even like the ones from back in the day, like, you know, when I was a little kid and I would be playing like uh, WWE WrestleMania or the Warzone game or anything, those were fun when I was just, you know, used to that era. But when you get into the more complicated stuff and you got to do uh, this combination of buttons just to be able to do a pinfall and all that stuff, to me, it's just like I'm putting in more effort than I really feel like doing. It's not fun anymore. So Fight Forever did not do anything that stood out to me as far as like, the mini games seem like it could be potentially fun, but I could imagine playing that for 20 minutes and then not feeling like ever doing it again. How do you guys feel about Fight Forever? I'm very excited. I mean, the idea that the, the whole pitch here is that they're going back to the days of, you know, No Mercy when everybody loved wrestling games and they got the whole team and even the teaser trailer had the THQ logo go back to what it was in the days of, you know, the Attitude Era. They're trying hard here. I just hope that they're not trying so hard that they missed the importance of good gameplay and easy to pick up and play gameplay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little on the fence. Uh, when I saw the, the whole trailer with Shivani and Breaker, the gameplay, I was. I, it looks like it's far from finished. Like, it doesn't look great. Like, I think some of the minigames and some of the fit stuff they're presenting look fairly interesting. But some of the stuff, like the the mechanics with the trash can, looks really, really clunky. So, I'll, I'll wait and see. Maybe it will develop significantly over the next couple of months. But right now, I'm not 
super impressed with the way that it looks and the way it plays. We'll see. We'll see what it's like in uh, a little while. I also didn't really like the like commercial itself. Kind of don't understand why they framed it as Tony Schiavone goes to Britt Baker's hotel room and she's been throwing pizza around and playing the game. Don't understand the creative direction there. I think the idea was that she's like super focused on on the video game and that she hadn't like done anything outside of just eating pizza, threw it all over the floor because she's just been so obsessed with this game. Not a not a great teaser in my mind. They've had way better ones for WWE ones where I've been like, yeah, I'm not playing that fucking game, but the, at least the uh, people brawling that are like legends and everything, you know, could have done something better. Maybe they have a better idea for like the main main trailer since this was more of a teaser, right? And look at the end of the day, it's another game. It's, it's more options for wrestling fans, which I still think, despite the fact that 2K22 is a better game than 2K20. That's like saying, hey, WrestleMania 9 is better than the WrestleMania in front of nobody for COVID. <laughs> like, it's it's not really much of an accomplishment. So I'm glad that wrestling fans had the option. Let's bounce over to TV recap stuff. We didn't get a chance to talk about SmackDown from last time around. We got a good old-fashioned Donnie Brook. The second good old-fashioned blank thing that they've done on SmackDown recently. I don't know what the direction is there, but somebody's liking a good old-fashioned. I think it's Pritchard. I think it's someone else. I don't know. Bait in the comments. But Drew McIntyre beat Sheamus to get that number one contender spot for Clash of the Castle that he had previously already declared for himself a few months back. When he was just like, I'm fighting Roman at Clash of the Castle. Then they're like, fuck, that's actually like four months away. Let's get around to that in a little bit. Um, Shotzi beats Aaliyah. We have gone past the full month range of not having Lacey Evans versus Aaliyah. They have milked this for over a month for a match nobody fucking cares about. <laughs> I didn't even think about it like that. There, were, there were three different segments of Aaliyah supposed to fight Lacey and Lacey cuts a promo instead. And then they did this. So that means that's that's four weeks. No, they had to have at least one match. Well, not a match yet. What was that? You got to uh, I say they haven't had a match yet. No. Oh, that's crazy. Um, but it's just a case of... Wasn't it supposed to be? It was supposed to be Lacey Evans because Lee, but Lacey Evans is injured, right? Is she? she? I don't remember. Well, they said that she... That's the reason they pulled her from that match because she couldn't compete. And that's why they get a shot to instead, which is even more baffling considering the fact that realistically, if you are hell, hell bent on making this Aaliyah versus Lacey Evan match, why would you have Aaliyah lose a match to a woman who isn't even appearing on the right. shows regularly? Just had Shotzi win basically means that, okay, Aaliyah's an even bigger loser taking on Lacey Evan. Unless uh, Lacey loses to Aaliyah, then it's like, wow, Lacey's a real big loser. Yeah. You know? But in that spirit, for tonight's episode of SmackDown, which obviously we're recording beforehand, they have a gauntlet with Raquel, Natalia, Zia Lee, Aaliyah, Shotzi, Sonia, and Shayna to face Liv Morgan at Clash the Castle. Who do you think is going to win? 
I think they're going to throw somebody else in there. Like Ronda Rousey or somebody is just going to be. Oh, no, she's in the kayfabe suspension going on right now. Yeah. So maybe Flair comes in and does that. You know, I'm, I'm going to buck that trend and say Shayna Baszler wins the match because Triple H is in charge and Shayna Baszler's a fucking beast. That could happen. Could be Sonya. I think, uh, yeah, Shayna and Sonya make the most sense. But it might be Raquel because like, Triple H made Raquel women's champion as well, so she might push her. And on but, the flip side, also, maybe Zaya. Because Triple H might be like, hey, I'm sorry. Would you like a title match just to try to, like, you know, smooth things over? Because you've done nothing since you got here. I mean, in at the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Because if it's not Ronda or Charlotte winning that match, then Liv Morgan's going to retain it. Clash of the Castle anyway. So, so yeah. If, if it is one of, the, one of the seven people listed for the match, then they're not winning the title. I disagree. If, if it's Shayna, I think Shayna can win. She won't. I think she can. I'm, listen, she won't. We're, we're manifesting here, Cal. <laughs> okay? <laughs> she and won't. This is enough. <laughs> she won't. She, because... she might, but she won't. <laughs> I'll be the middle <laughs> between yeah. you two. She, uh, the reason why she won't is because, well, Ronda and Becky are going to have a title match at WrestleMania, and Charlotte and Bianca are going to have a title match at WrestleMania. So... Shayna winning the title is somewhere between that doesn't fit in. Yes, it does. She can drop it to Charlotte at Bro Rumble. Yep, Hill versus Hill. That's great. I still think that there might be uh, Raquel and Flair in there. I don't know. Just shot in the dark for me. But we'll figure that out in time. Uh, Viking Raiders beat the New Day. Uh, the new improved Viking Raiders. Oh, the, new and, the new and vicious Viking Raiders. Oh, whatever. whatever. That's right. I fucking hate when they do that stuff. The new and you vicious imagine. Viking Raiders. Oh, because these are the new and the vicious Viking Raiders. Okay. You know what would be nice? Hey, it's the War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe. <laughs> fucking Christ. Like, uh. You know what would be really nice? If they really want to be new, they would really be reinvigorated. With our sponsors, Manscaped. Viking Raiders are growing out those beards. They've got a lot of hair going on there. They should definitely pick up the Lawnmower 4.0. They should pick up the Weed Whacker. Use that to trim that nose hair. And, you know, you're running around the ring. You're sweating and everything like that. Plenty of use for all those different deodorants and shampoos and body washes and all that. But you don't have to be a Viking Raider in the ring to be able to pick up these things. No, just go to manscaped.com and use the promo code SMARK, S-M-A-R-K, and get 20% off and free shipping on whatever it is that you decide to pick up. Whether you want to be one of those people that just gets the shears kit and says, you know what, I'm going to trim the nails and that's all I'm uh, interested in doing. I don't really want to shave this giant beard off with that or whatever. Obviously, these are better for your family jewels down there instead. But, you know, I mean, you could use it elsewhere. I've actually used that uh, lawnmower 4.0 to clean up my sideburns quite a bit. You know, it's a great tool for that. Never cut my ear a single time. Or if you want to prove that you are cuter than Ivar and Eric, because, I mean, we all know Ivar is cute, but Eric not so much, and you want to pick up a pair of those boxers or that really comfy T-shirt that I wear at least once a week, you know, it's in my regular rotation of T-shirts that I wear on a regular basis because it's one of my more comfortable T-shirts. And, uh, you know, it sounds like it's an oddball thing to say, but, hey, you pick up a T-shirt, still going to get 20% off and free shipping. So 
whether you are in the market for any of those things or if you're just going to browse, go to manscaped.com and use that promo code S-M-A-R-K. 20% off and free shipping on whatever it is that you pick up. Thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring us. Thank you for anybody who picks anything up. Let us know what you got in the comments below. A couple other things that happened on SmackDown. We factored it into SummerSlam and stuff. So, you know, kind of carry on with that. But Monday Night Raw was a follow-up for that. So that is brand new stuff for us to talk about, including we had the triple threat matches that led to a number one contenders match. AJ Styles beat Mustafa Ali in the Miz. Tommaso Ciampa beat Dolph Ziggler and Chad Gable. And then Tommaso Ciampa beat AJ Styles. So we're going to get Ciampa versus Bobby Lashley next week for the United States title. I don't think Ciampa's winning it, but I'm like, all right, fuck. Yeah, immediately we're actually doing something with Ciampa now. Not good. Only, not only just Ciampa, though. No, Think I mean, what you just said there. Mustafa Ali did better than what he's been doing in weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, you got Chad Gable in a singles match instead of just he's teaming with Otis to beat uh, or to lose to Street Profits or something again. You showcased six people in here. And the end of that AJ Styles match in particular, how fun was that? Mustafa Ali hits that. Uh, at 450 or whatever it was, and goes immediately into the Styles Clash. God damn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really good wrestling. You're imagine that. Between six guys that can wrestle. Yeah. And yeah, having Champa win that little mini tournament, that's a sign that they do want to push him. I do agree with Tony. I don't think he's beating Bobby Lashley, but I think the Miz is screwing him out of that match. I can see it. He and just screws him over, and you think that you're better than me? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that'll lead to a feud between those two, and Champa can win that, and progress forward. This whole episode of Raw felt like... It wasn't, you know, the, the most perfect, best episode of Raw ever, or anything, but things went smooth. Promos, for the most part, were better. It didn't seem like they were scripted. It didn't seem like people had to do as much bullshit in the ring there wasn't like okay we're gonna have somebody come out and then we're gonna cut to a commercial and then we're gonna cut to a video package and then a backstage interview and then another video package and then a you know smackdown rebound clip thing with a promotion for flow I forget the name of the brand progressive. uh progressive um and then oh look at that the person's still in the ring and like Liv Morgan's like get ready for a match or something. We didn't have that happen. So this was a much easier episode of Monday Night Raw to watch than we've been getting for a while, which is a great, great start. I just I hope it continues. You know, like I really do. I think it's a uh, I don't want to say a false dawn, but I feel like having a first hour that has like no commercials is not something that we're going to see all the time. Yeah, that's true. And I would also say that a lot of it is, um, uh, maybe this is too controversial. Maybe it's too harsh, but I think because of raw standards being so low that basically just doing any, doing something that's half decent was going to be considered great. And I think for the most part, this show was a lot of, a lot of long matches, which is good in some 
in some capacity, but it also means that they didn't have to think as hard in other areas because they just decided, okay, we've got a load of good wrestlers, let's have them have good wrestling matches. And that's good for like what it is. But I don't know whether they actually progressed anything. It didn't feel like this banner episode or this game-changing episode that a lot of the reports seem to suggest it was. It just felt, okay, they're going to do things a little bit more decent, which is definitely an improvement, but I don't feel like... I don't feel like the landscape has shifted with this episode of Raw. It just felt like, okay, we do some bad things. We're going to do a few better things, and that's about it, really. Because we still the... had... Go ahead. Was it? We still had both women's match. Well, both. Uh, I think yeah, it was. There were only two women's matches on this show, weren't there? The um, the well, the singles match. Blair and Eo and Oscar and Alexa. Yeah, both matches which ended in no finish, non finishes. True. So they still they still have those little tropes that they lean into, but hopefully they'll become less and less as time goes on. I'm optimistic, but I. Uh, want to put a note of caution that I don't think everything's been fixed with one slightly better episode. No, so, I mean, that's a fair assessment because it's not like this was something that, like, we went from crap to you know, the the marquee episode of Raw in the history of the show or anything, but I think everybody, for the most part, and plenty of people are, I'm sure, would disagree, but I think the general consensus is everybody going, you know what? I actually, this wasn't bad. And if we're going to give a little bit of leeway, if like it might take some time to kind of work out the kinks and stuff, if we get at least this going forward, it's definitely an upgrade. My thing is, and much like Callum said, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the discourse was very positive surrounding this show, but I also feel like I remember times where WWE would get good and people get excited and then you look back on it and it's like a footnote. Like if I said to you, man, I remember Payback 2013 feeling like this big shifting show because there was a lot of good wrestling there. You look at me and go, yeah, you were excited about Curtis Axel winning the IC title. You know, so it's it could be a false alarm. But if they capitalize on what they've built it could be the start of something great. Now on the NXT side of things, we have crowned new NXT women's tag team champions with KC and KC finally winning those titles. Told you after like nine years and there are baby faces again. I mean, they didn't fully turn heel, but it was very clear that they were heading towards that direction. And they were like, no, thank you guys for believing in us. We're not assholes. <laughs> Dude, they needed to win. Like any other team would have won, it would have been wrong. They pretty much did need to win, and I don't know how great that is going to be going forward. If they're going to really have a great title reign or anything, they're not. You know the uh, the benchmark performers that I would say are you know representational of what tag team wrestling can be right now, but you know, compared to. You lost Leon and Valentina Ferroyce or something like that. It's like, yeah, all right. It makes sense for them to go with that. And at least we got new tag team champions. It's better than what we could say for the main roster right now. Well, <laughs> let's talk about what Bailey said about those tag team titles on her recent appearance on After the Bell. She was talking about, you know, 
maybe the roster's gotten a little too far into the, hey, let's all compete with one another and not, and, you know, they've forgotten what can happen when they all work together. Now, I think that Bailey, given that she's close to Sasha, might be able to actually, you know, get her back in there. But I'm going to read what she said on the podcast. I'm, I get along with most everybody, and I think I can help everybody realize that I'm not doing this because I'm selfish, and I'm not doing this because I want it to be all about me. I'm doing this for the bigger picture, and it's going to be better in the end. Trust the process. Trust me. Trust what we're doing. I'm not saying that's not the case right now. It's just sometimes we get so wrapped up in this hamster wheel that we just do our jobs. And it's okay, let me go back and do whatever. It's going to take a lot more focus to take this to the next level, which I think we're going to get to. And she also said, I want the tag titles to come back and play a very important role in the show. So, maybe she can do it. Maybe. What other stuff we got in NXT? Uh, let's see, Carmelo Hayes had a uh, North American Championship Open Challenge. Giovanni Vinci was coming out and he spent too much time posing. So Nathan Fraser ran to the ring first. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of funny. Let me give him credit for that. After yeah. that, we had the uh, NXT Heatwave Summit. This is, you know, by any other name, it's another contract signing. The only difference being JD McDonough signed with his blood from his fingertip. I liked it. I like everything Braun does. He's such a Steiner that it's like, yeah, you would have fit in almost any era. And JD is embracing this cerebral, almost creepy, methodical killer type of gimmick. And I think it works. Are you liking uh, that, or you do more the Jordan Devlin side of things, uh, Callum? What you mean? Like, uh, you know, just Jordan Jordan, Dev- uh, Jordan Devlin being a character like that, or do you like this JD McDonough targeting your limbs and, and all that? Oh, I've always thought uh, Jordan Devlin is a bit like just nothing as a as a as a wrestler. Like he's he's perfectly serviceable, but he has no character. And I think as JD McDonough, his character's even got an even more. Uh, I think this is this entire summit and this entire feud between these two has totally sucked from start to finish. There's absolutely no possibility that JD McDonough, in my mind, could win the title here. And basically, going from this, from the Joe Gacy thing, I think Bron Breaker's title reign has been an absolute bust so far. But would you say that that's on him, or would you just say like they've? No, they've he's, he's been given really shitty people to feud yeah. with. He should be feuding with Solo Sakura and Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, but no, maybe they're just the only the only decent feud he's had has been uh, Cameron Grimes, and that's because and and the most interesting part about that is Cameron Grimes' spiral into like the point where he now might be recruited by Joe Gacy. All the other stuff has been like total crap. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree that like uh, JD is not going to win. I don't think he will. No, I don't think it's necessarily. Breaker's fault, but I also don't necessarily think that a think part of it isn't. I think he's helping like, it. I think yeah, he's, he's quite bland. Right. 
I think that they don't give him anything better to do because he kind of can't necessarily do anything better. His promos are very much like, oh, yeah, pal, well, I'm going to beat you. And what else can you do with that, you know? Well, so much of his character is wrapped up in the fact that he's Rick Steiner's kid. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't actually seem to have much of a character of his own outside of the fact of, oh, my father was a famous wrestler. I'm a tough guy and I'm currently holding the title. Famous wrestler and I'm acting like my uncle. That's basically his character. So that's why I say like he's such a good Steiner because even though they don't, his name's not Steiner. Everything he does is just like, yeah, you can totally tell what his lineage is. And I don't know. I like I like Braun a lot. I agree with what. You're saying about the McDonough thing not feeling very threatening. But I also feel like they're really dragging their ass because they don't they don't know what they're doing with Sokoa. I think they might want to bring him up for the bloodline. It's like about somebody who's not threatening when they stand next to Duke Hudson. Oh. And that's Axiom. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved that though, because it's just axiom's all like yeah you know i'm gonna um change things here or whatever duke hudson essentially the too long didn't read of this is duke hudson walks over and he's like you're a fucking nerd and bitch slaps him down he calls him a nerd bitch slaps him down they brawl around the arena he gets the duke gets the better of it and axiom's just like no i still want to match with you and then he manages to get a roll-up win and do Axiom a lot of favors in week two. Yeah. <laughs> but I am a fan of Duke Hudson, so I liked the idea that he was just kind of like, shut up, you fucking nerd, smack. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're one of the bigger guys on the roster. I like to see you beat the crap out of some people every once in a while instead of just losing everything. So it sucks for Axiom, but <laughs> I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. When you say it sucks for Axiom, I mean... Yeah, he did get the shit kicked out of him basically this entire segment, but he still won. What does that say about Duke Hudson? True. Yeah. That's On paper, bad. he still beat him. Yeah. That is a that is a bland, boring motherfucker who's getting out of this company in the next six months or so. Calling it now. Oh, maybe he can go to AEW and smack down some of the other ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, he can just join a cold car with this other list of, like... Bland people, there's for some reason giving paychecks to. Wait, Christian, this is something about. It all started with fucking Tony Nice, and there seems to just be a cavalcade of these just, oh, like wrestlers that are like, yeah, they're perfectly cool, but what do they offer beyond that point? Why are we have why are we having Kolkata win matches against Serpentico? Like, Serpentico's actually like, you know, he's not great, but. He's characterful, and he's been there for a long time. So why are we just this guy on his second match in? Like, basically, he's still he's still soaking wet from being thrown in the river by <laughs> But yeah, I, I some of the uh, hiring decisions in AEW are starting to baffle me a little bit. I think that they're getting a little too. Well, we got to pick him up because he was just on NXT TV in a featured role and that means we got to use him you mentioned the whole troy donovan thing let's talk about legato de fantasma splitting away from tony d'angelo and channing stacks lorenzo 
they lost to the Creed Brothers because uh, Santos Escobar came back. And it's like, all right, yeah, we're doing the story that we know uh, was coming from a mile away before it even started. But Legato is fun. I would be more than happy with them going up to the main roster. Uh, if they're going to stick in NXT, I think being baby faces is the right call. And I don't know how they necessarily finish this whole thing, but I'm down for them to just losers do it leave. now. Losers leave. And I think while I would have originally said uh, Legato leaves, you know, the losers that leave have to be Tony D and company because at this point it's just two guys. I, I, that uh, you you have to use this as an opportunity to push Santos into the main roster because he's it, well he's been ready pretty much since he signed with the company to be on the main roster and be in that uh, level and you could do the same with Legado as well they look like they're a good act. Uh, Tony's Tony D'Angelo is really good for a guy of his experience. And I think that he obviously he's not ready to be on the main roster yet, but I think he could be a, a big name in NXT and they should put an explanation mark on that by having him beat Santos and banishing him from, or banishing him at least from the from the brand, should I say. What else we got in NXT? We got uh oh we got that Lash Legend Mash you wanted to talk about. Oh fucking hell this spot that she does with the head in the ropes thing. Yeah, I caught it this time. It's just the absolute worst. I don't know what she thinks she's achieving with that or who's telling her to do that spot or anything like that. It just looks... I, I can only The only thing that I can possibly imagine is that they think it's like some sort of basketball thing because like the head is bouncing like a basketball between the ropes and so they think that's like a nice little nod to the thing that she's actually good mm-hmm. at. It's got to be that. <laughs> rather than the wrestling, which he's not good at. You know what you do? You just put their head between the ropes, and then you have her dribble it. Like, she's choking them on the rope, but it's dribbling like a basketball. Yeah, well, do yeah, do something that doesn't look like shit, which is what she currently looks like, because it looked like shit when she did it against Indy Hartwell. It looked like shit in this match with Alba Fire. But fortunately, well, for the most part, this that one spot just irks me, but... Overall, this is probably one of the better matches that Lash Legends had because Alpha is really, really good at wrestling. Yeah, as soon as this match started, I tuned away. <laughs> I was just like, I don't need to watch this. I'm going to work on some of the other things I need to work on. And all <laughs> this is following a Brooks Jensen and Joe Gacy match. And I was just like, I didn't need to really watch that one either. But uh, you're not selling me on Lash Legend lately, you know? Like the she's got a look to her, but her promos, her in ring stuff, it's not quite there. I firmly believe Lash Legend is exactly the type of person who it would be better off if I wouldn't have seen a single thing of her until like next year, and then maybe I'd be like, all right, well she's just starting off, but she's not too bad. And knowing the level that she's at now, I'm like, right, when's she gonna get to that level where I'm willing to to work with this? Yeah. Maybe she'll prove me wrong. Other people have. We had a false count anywhere match between Solo Sokoa beating Von Wagner. I really enjoyed this. I had fun. I mean, uh, yeah, Von Wagner's improving quite a lot. 
And this I is a fun like type of thing to do. You know, you can play around and have some fun with it. They did this weird thing with uh, Mello and Trick helping a couple girls jumpstart their car. <laughs> I don't know why they really even did that to just like, you know, window dressing or something. But no, it's so that you can once again get right back to uh, Solo challenging for the North American title. You think that's the end goal here? Solo just wins that belt and they just kind of took a detour? Probably. Uh, I could see them getting into the idea of champ versus champ again, especially with the bloodline having this obsession with unifying belt. And you could say, well, he's not in the bloodline, but you know that they will make that comparison once they get the opportunity to. And I think I like how they also got... Uh, Cameron Grimes out of the way where he was, you know, walking out the door and they just sort of shoved him out of the way. I think that's a cool thing where, yeah, okay, they're all connected in this world. Why wouldn't you have them interact in that way? What's uh, the schedule for next week for NXT? Because it's not Heat Wave, right? No, that's it's not Heat Wave. It's um, it's Cora Jade against Zoe Stark. Uh, that's right, because they're setting up this whole thing that uh, at Heat Wave, it's Cora against Roxanne, but Mandy Rose wants Cora to take out Zoe Stark ahead of time, and then she can fill in that title match. And yeah, that's right. That was the other main thing. Uh, I like, okay about I that. like that. I mean, like, the Roxanne promo was fine. They're, the women do well with the pre recorded promos. And Roxanne's cut promos, so she's not fake acting like some of the other ones on that brand. Uh, it's Nikita Lyons against Yana James. It's the final accord between Santos and Tony, so we'll see whatever they're going to do there. And I believe there's maybe another woman's match. No, when that all happens, we will talk about that down the line. But let's finish things up with some AEW talk. We've got Dynamite, and we've got uh, what will be the final thing that we do here our predictions for Battle of the Belts for tonight and for Quake by the Lake. So Dynamite had Jay Lethal against Orange Cassidy. Uh, multiple times during the match, the Lethal Injection. I thought it was funny that he did it like three times in a row. Um, that's leading to one of the Battle of the Belts. So we'll talk about Jay Lethal against Wardlow. We got a big turn with Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly turning on the Young Bucks and Hangman Adam Page saving them. So now we know they are definitely pulling the trigger on that for the tournament and the trios titles. It's got to pretty much be that. (laughs) If it's not those uh, those three against those three, I don't know where they're going to go. So I still want Hangman to, for now, side with the Dark Order and for it to be Kenny, because if it's not, then it becomes, dude, have Hangman and Cole been fighting for like nine months? Because it feels like a lot of what Cole has done in AEW is just fight Hangman. And I'd like to see the Kenny match just because it's a bit more fresh. I like the interesting thing for me of this was the fact that AEW, who really do tend to like s- slow, long builds and just tease things out every now and again, just decide to go, 
ah, fuck it, and then just immediately have, as soon as the Undisputed Elite were back together, just immediately break them all up. And that was that was an interesting take, but I guess it's uh, it's good to sometimes keep you on your toes like that, and some kid in the crowd really hated it. Yeah, he was... <laughs> that crying kid. Is it? Yeah, you always have to have shots like that. It's like the... Um, uh, the Miz girl and stuff like that. Yeah, angry Miz girl. This is like yeah. the uh, crying elite kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, the most interesting thing outside of just the fact they decided to do the turn here was uh, Cole and O'Reilly still apparently not being cleared to compete. So my question is, are they actually going to be part of the tournament? I'm hoping that that's a red herring. That they were just saying we're not clear to compete just so they could attack the Young Bucks. Because um, if, they, if they're not cleared, what are we doing here? Is it well, going to be, you know, you Bucks? Could, Go ahead. You could just have a six-man tag grudge match as well as the trio's title being defended between two other teams instead. You could. You absolutely could, but... Or they could screw the Bucks out of winning or something. Mm. But I mean, they did get physical, so I'm hoping that that means that they're cleared. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we're not cleared to compete, and you can't, like, we're not doing anything. It was, they beat them up. Well, Cole didn't do much, actually. No. But it is good that they have left it open ended in that, even though the Bucks haven't, like, officially reunited. So it does mean that there is chance that Omega get involved, or if they, if Omega still isn't available, they're still Brandon Cutler that they can fall back on as well. If they want to go with Paige and, want, and two of the Dark Order boys instead, so so yeah, there there are options they can take here. But yeah, it was a, it was an effective turn. I feel like this really tugged at the heartstrings for a lot of people. Like people were so giddy about Hangman and the Bucks getting back together. And I had forgotten just how long it's been since, I guess, the Elite was really united. Because it's been about two and a half years, and people were just over the moon about this. I love them as a pairing, but I didn't feel that same, like, it's been so long, finally. Because I feel like where AEW failed was and capitalize on the elite portion of their name, where it was like, we're watching this promotion to see these guys, and they almost went out of their way at first to not do that. I don't know if it was to not seem like nepotism, but I wasn't feeling as um, into this as some other people were. We got... Uh, Britt Baker and Jimmy Hader beat Thunderstorm really reiterating even more to me that I'm like alright we're just doing Baker and Storm we're all out again in Rosa or yeah Baker and Rosa and maybe they uh, do I, Hader maybe Storm maybe it's a four way but I'm like talking about this before but Thunder Rosa's title reign is not doing much for me well it leads into a bit of discussion about Battle of the Belts and I just want to leave that till later because one of the matches the Battle of Belts is Thunder Rose versus Jamie Hayter for the AEW Women's title. Well, I guess we might as well just talk about it. Um, we'll backtrack and talk about Wardlow. Uh, I don't think 
at all that that title is changing hands. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world, but I think that Rose is just beating Hater. I think I think Hater's got a shot. Cuz yeah. No, go ahead. I'd say out of the free We lost Jay a little bit there. I'd say out of the three title matches that are on Battle of the Belt is the most likely to change hands. Yeah, I would I mean, agree with that. We're, we all definitely are agreeing. Wardlow's not losing that belt to Jay Lethal. No, You'd fucking hope not. I'd hope not. And ever, but still. I can't imagine Takeshita is beating Claudio for the ROH World Championship. That's just not happening. No, but, no, but you can plug that match into my veins. <laughs> that's yeah. that's going to be a hell, of a, a hell of a time. Yeah, so I mean, technically speaking, out of those three, I guess I would say Hater has the more likely chance, but I don't think that she has even even like a, a 48% chance. I don't even think it's like a 50-50 kind of deal. I think Here's it's more thing, maybe like a 15%. Here's my thing. You gotta... These Battle of the Belts shows need something fucking good to happen on them, because a lot of them have just been sort of blah. And I think... Guevara won the title back on one of them, the TNT title. But I I feel like a major women's title switch would feel like a major happening here. It sets up something different for All Out. Because right now, what's the All Out match? I don't know what the rankings are, but I'm sure you know Baker's got to be getting up there. And you can't really do that match again. Even the I rankings don't necessarily always come into play. I think Hater wins because I think it gets people talking, if nothing else. So so far, they've always had at least one title. Not wait, even not necessarily switch hands, but someone has won a title on every battle of the belt so far. So, and funnily enough, it's been Guevara. Was it Mocha. Sammy twice? Yeah, Sammy winning the interim TNT title championship. And then him winning the TNT Championship from Scorpio Sky. So they do have a history of title changes or title wins. So I, th- I think there's a good chance that Jamie Hayter wins this one. Because it's either a, a rematch with Thunder Rosa at All Out. Or a match with Tony Storm at All Out. Or, and it also sets in motion the idea of Britt Baker becoming jealous. And, and right. fractions between that team coming fast. And so I seeds of doubt and all that. Yeah, and I agree with you, Tony. I think the Thunder Rosa uh, reign has been underwhelming, and that's why maybe I'm leaning towards the idea of hate. I think we can all agree. We can all agree on that because it really just has been, and it's. I don't know if it's one of those like, well, the money's in the chase, and it's all about watching her chase the title, or if it's just, I don't know, maybe she's not as polished, maybe. I, just something is clearly off every time she's been defending the belt. There's a certain it factor that people talk about all the time where, you know, it doesn't have to just be in wrestling. It could be anywhere. People will just gravitate towards certain people or, you know, somebody goes into a room and the energy just like sparks or something. And Thunder Rosa feels to me like one of those people that on paper makes a lot of sense but when you actually watch the product and you go okay she's got an interesting look with like the face paint and all she's clearly passionate she knows what she's doing in the ring for you know she's definitely one of their better wrestlers and everything but it's just lacking that 
oomph factor that makes me just go, and I don't really need to pay that much attention to it. Because promos are not her strong suit. So I'm not enraptured with the character. I'm not caring at this point about, okay, the Baker thing's gone on for like, what, a year and a half or something? Two years? You know, everybody knows more than uh, just from the WWE side of things. If it keeps going on and it keeps going and it keeps going on, unless you give me something that's going to be like a hook that keep me going, I'm just going to basically start tuning it out because it's going to be, they had another match and then whatever. So like this hater and Baker against Thunderstorm match, I didn't watch a second of it. I just skipped the entire thing. So I'm like, all right, well, either Thunderstorm wins and it doesn't matter or hater and Baker wins and it doesn't matter. I'll watch the Rosa match at all out. Of course, I'll, you know, my eyes will be glued on that unless it's got awful, then I won't be, you know, able to keep my attention. But unless that belt is on the line and I feel like it actually really matters rather than Thunder Rosa's defending it against like Emmy Sakura, where I'm like, all right, she's not winning. Then I'm not super interested and even when she's had that belt up against like Tony Storm, I found myself kind of struggling for it. So if you just do Baker and Rosa again, yeah, they, they've had good stuff, but you're going to have to sell me again on rewatching the third or fourth or fifth time rather than just going back and watching the other match that I liked from the past. So... That was one of those things where I'm just like, all right, well, it is what it is. We got Darby Allen cutting a promo on Brody King because they have a match coming up at Quake by the Lake. It's a coffin match that I'm thinking Darby Allen wins. Yeah. Yeah, coffin match is his speciality, so yeah. And uh, I like this. I I want Darby to get back into a title picture because I feel like it's been a while. I'm not sure when Miro beat him, but it feels like been well over a year and i'm ready for him to take that next step because he's you gotta strike while the iron's hot with him lucha bros and andrade and roosh are having a match a quick by the lake that should be a lot of fun uh it's a tornado right like anything goes either way it should be a lot of it should be a fantastic match I mean, basically, whenever it's the Lucha Bros in the tag match, it's going to be a tornado. <laughs> Pretty so. much. Right? Yes, that is true. I don't know who I'm going to win this one. Last time I wrote up uh, some predictions, I ended up going with that. I think Rusha and Andrade should win, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will. I think they should, and I think they probably will. Yeah, I think they should get the victory as well, just because it makes more sense for them to challenge... Lee and Strickland for the tiles. And what else we got on here? Uh, Jade Cargill's got an open challenge. Anybody you want to throw out who they think it might be? Athena, maybe. It should, it should really be Athena at this point. We should probably, you know. But they would announce it if it was Athena. Right. That's weird. Uh, I don't know. Last time they did this open challenge, it was just someone it was just some nobody wasn't it not i say nobody but like it was layla wasn't it yeah it was yeah it was layla yeah they they just put layla grace maybe they just find someone else who 
got the open challenge, but it really should be. Well, it, sh- it should be either Athena, Chris Statlander, or Willow Nightingale. They're basically the three that make most sense, but realistically, it's probably going to be like Ashley D'Ambrose or something, or one. No, of it's if they're not if they're advertising it a week in advance. I imagine that it's either someone who's ready to make a return or something like that because. Last time, the whole deal was they put out the challenge at, like, 10.45 at night, and Layla Gray was just, like, the first person to see it. With this, you're giving us a week. Hopefully, it's good. I I don't know. I, I would really hope that it's someone special. I wouldn't want to put this out there, but I'm going to anyway because it just came into my mind. But what about Brandy? Brandy Rhodes? <laughs> Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> and I, th- I think fundamentally, even if... I mean, that's the reason why I don't think it's someone special, because I just don't think someone's beating Jay Cargill unannounced. So... I don't know, yeah. they get really geeked about their TV shit. It could just I- be like, ah, oh, it's Allison Kay or someone that, like, is a yeah. name, but she could still lose, you know? Yeah. That's a good idea. We could throw in uh, Mercedes Martinez, like a champion versus champion or something. Yeah. I think Cargo retains no matter what, though. You know what? Uh, Madison. Could be Madison, yeah. She's fighting Layla tonight. So maybe she accepts the challenge for Wednesday. And then uh, what else we have? Christian Cage beat Matt Hardy. I didn't bother to watch it. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs had won a squash. Anna Jay choked out someone backstage. We had a dumpster match. Uh, claimed to beat Gun Club. And uh, Max Caster had that little rap about Vince McMahon retiring. That was fun. Yeah. This is good. I I think that they should be the next team to get a tag title shot. I don't know if they'll win it, but they should get a shot. I think I had to potentially put the belt on them. Not necessarily right now, but somewhat soon. I think, oh, they'll get, I, think, I think 2023. Yeah. They'll get the belts within a year, but I don't think it's happening yet. Uh, then we got uh, Chris Jericho beat Will Yuta. He's going to fight John Moxley for the interim AEW World Championship coming up at Quake by the Lake, which, I mean, I don't imagine that there's any real scenario that Jericho is going to win that. But look, it's uh, the first champion against the second champion. It's a big name kind of match, so. I don't hate it. They're really teasing uh, Lionheart Chris Jericho. So I imagine he'll be coming out in some something that is reflective of his old gear, which should be a lot of fun. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe CM Punk after the match. I assume Moxie wins, and then CM Punk's like, all right, I'm back. Well, yeah, well, there is a discussion at least... Uh... Saw from Meltzer saying that uh, they, he still thinks the punk is a way a way off from returning. Like he's uh, thinking that full gear is probably more likely for the match with Moxley rather than all out. So, if that is the case, what do you do at all out? Um, I would say you do Moxley against 
Hmm. Who who would you put Moxley against in that scenario? I know for me, if um, if Punk isn't ready, then I'm saying Darby. Darby's a good shout. I'd say you maybe could do something with Malakai. Yeah, I could do that. Malakai's wrapped up with Miro, though. Yeah, that's true. They, they seem to be feuding, so there's, there's, a, there's potential. Yeah, so maybe not so much that side. I think the, the likelihood is that Moxley's tight. That's, that's when you pivot and you decide to go with the trios match between, if, if it does go in this direction, of Pangman and the Bucks against uh, the Undisputed well, the Undisputed Era or whatever they would have called themselves from that point, uh, you make that the main event because that would be a bigger selling match. And you could do uh, Moxley against... I mean, it's it's a bit like inside Blackpool Combat Club that Danielson could be good. I would think Danielson, if he's available, I would, I mean, I would definitely say Danielson. I mean, as, as, as odd as it sounds, Daniel Garcia just beat da- Danielson. I know. So you could, that would. I mean, that would be a hell of a stretch. But you know, if you have Jericho lose, and then you you build up the story of the young guy in the Jericho Appreciation Society being built up to face John Moxley, and even though he wouldn't win, have a good showing against him, and then that causes some fractures between within the JAS, then that could be good. But. Yeah, I mean, I it, it wouldn't be difficult to find people that could challenge Moxley. I mean, you've got Andrade there. You've got uh, other people like uh, you've got Powerhouse Hobbs. You could you could push him immediately if you wanted to. I know the match with Starks is the one they want to do there, but you could push him and keep the Starks match aside for a little while. I, I don't think it'll be hard to find someone for Moxley's face other than CM Punk. No, I agree. It's just it's it is really interesting when you think about that their options might feel a little out of the blue or forced, but I agree, you should be able to find some. Well, we'll figure that out in the coming weeks. All out is still a little bit away, so there's still time for something, but at least that's this week worth of uh stuff. We got SmackDown tonight, we got Rampage tonight, Battle of the Belts is being recorded tonight. So by the time we get to tomorrow, we'll know some more information about some of these topics, but uh, hot tags aren't happening tomorrow. They already happened. (laughs) You already listened to them. So if you want to tell us your thoughts, drop your comments below and hit the like button if you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully you did. If you want to help us out on the monetary side of things we mentioned before, click that join button, hit up that Patreon, click that thanks button. Even a dollar a month goes a long way, especially the more people that do it. And if you want to show your support over to fanboysanonymous.com, that'll help out just as much as well because it's all funneling under a mango tree. It's all roots under that or branches or whatever the tree structure is. And I am at Tony Mango all over the place. I'm not a botanist. (laughs) Some of that shit. Stems and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, find me at Tony Mango and send me a tweet or something. Do the same for these guys. Rob? Yeah, and send me a tweet at Dude Felice, please. Uh, make it nice. I always appreciate nice words. And follow me everywhere else at Dude Felice. Twitch, Instagram, uh, the eventual DudeFelice.com. I will plug it always because it is coming. Uh, and check out everything on SmartGuyMoment.com, including Cal and Wiggins' fancy power rankings.
Yeah, my super fancy uh, magical. You're British. It's fancy no matter what. My magical delicious power rankings. Check them out anytime you want to. Uh, this every Saturday, new edition comes out. Check that out on smartcomer.com. Check out the fantasy league, both on smartcomer.com and www.fantasyleague.com. Wherever you want to search for to find it, you can find the fantasy league there. And follow me on Twitter at wigmeisterfull too. All right, everyone, that is the hot tag. So thank you for listening to this, and we will see you next time with the next main event that we had already pre-recorded, the mock draft pay-per-view card for AEW and WWE. We out of our rosters. Now we get to tell you what matches we want to book. So stay tuned for that one coming up in a few days, and we will see you then. But for now, this has been another Smart Out moment, and we are being counted out.